Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with you, and we're going to try something brand new, never done before in 320-odd episodes of the Purple Podcast. We are going to do audio film breakdown, and if you don't think it can work, it can work, I'm telling you. And only a genius in his film breakdown could make it work, so I have brought on my friend, as you know from the Purple Podcast, from NDT Scouting, Brandon Thorne, who broke it all down before the draft, and then they picked a guy that we didn't talk about a whole lot, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't. I mean, you mentioned him, which was a great call as somebody that would be on the Vikings' radar, and you were definitely right. But um, somebody that I evaluated uh, a few games from, you know, in college, uh, both 2016 and 17 at right tackle and left tackle, and somebody who definitely a developmental guy, but. Um, was the most intriguing guy in the draft for me at tackle, so it should be fun. So what you have sent me is a bunch of clips that you pulled from Brian O'Neill facing off with the NC State defensive line, and this is the perfect game to look at because NC State got all of their defensive line drafted, and Bradley Chubb was one of the top selections in the NFL draft. So this should give us an idea of how Brian O'Neill would play against NFL-level competition because he's got a lot of reps against Chubb in this game. So... I've got all these clips to go through with you, and hopefully we can paint a picture and give people the best idea possible of what they are getting with Brian O'Neill. So, on our first clip, this is our left tackle, or potentially right tackle here, in a handoff up the middle by the Pitt Panthers, and it doesn't go that well for Brian O'Neill. Tell me what happened. Yeah, so as you mentioned, it's a run. Um, they've kind of blocked this like inside zone. You know, they have a double team with the left guard in the center um, from that nose tackle to that linebacker um, right over the center. And then O'Neal over here, his job really is just to kick Bradley Chubb out. So it's it's really important that he uh, is good with his hands here and his base is underneath him when he blocks Chubb, which uh, neither of those things happen. So, um, you know, as we play this clip here, and as soon as he comes out of his stance, you know, if you pause it, you look, you see his hand carriage is very low right here. His hands are down by his, by his thighs and his knees, basically. 
and that's never good. Um, and that's going to cause him to be delayed with getting his hands up into the proper placement onto the frame of Bradley Chubb. So initially right out the gate, I mean, that's a negative, you know, hand usage, hand carriage is too low and it causes him to be late with his hands. And because he's late, Chubb also, you have, we have to look at this from both, both perspectives. Chubb right here is, is really savvy about how quickly he recognizes what O'Neal's trying to do to him. And he reacts by going inside and just totally evading the block. Um, so great job by Chubb. And then O'Neal, he doesn't bring his feet with him. His feet stop and he just attempts to kind of like bear hug Chubb. And, you know, it just does not work out for him. Chubb's an excellent run defender. And um, O'Neal right here, he, he has to be better about moving his feet into contact and, you know, carrying his hands in a better position so he can get inside of Bradley Chubb's frame. So just, you know, and it's an ugly whiff right there. And, you know, Chubb gets in for the tackle at the line of scrimmage. So Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of lunging action there too, it seems. Yes, yeah, he doesn't bring his feet with him, and hence the lunge for sure, you know, because it, if he's driving his feet there and continues to, to churn those feet, you know, the lunge may not happen because his feet would be underneath him, but he loses all balance there. And, you know, I think it's a combination of those two things. It, it starts with the feet always, so, you know, I would look at that first, but then the hand carriage and the hand usage and placement there is, is pretty bad as well. So here's going to be my question for you on almost every clip is, all right, so there's some clearly some technical issue here when it comes to the run blocking. Is it correctable? How long might it take to correct? Because you mentioned him being a developmental prospect. So if we're talking about not bringing the feet along, the lunging, the uh, not getting the hands up quick enough, are those things that you see as being something that a lot of guys are able to correct or not? Um, it, it's tough to say. I, I think it's, you know, case by case, you know, with each player, you know, and the sort of coaching they're getting and how they respond to it. So it's hard to say, but I mean, these technical things are definitely fixable. I think, you know, as opposed to, you know, the things that you can, you know, can't quote unquote teach people, you know, but you can certainly coach this out of him and establish better footwork out of his stance, you know, when you're kicking out somebody in this alignment. But the thing is, I mean, there's so many different alignments that you're going to see. And each alignment, you have to have different footwork. So right here, the position that Chubb's in, you know, that's he's just basically, you know, an outside shade, you know, pretty tight, you know, to his outside shoulder. That specific set of footwork certainly can be improved upon. Um, it's really just moving his feet a little bit better here, being a little bit more explosive out of his stance and different hand positions, you know, and so... I definitely think that, you know, when a coach watches this, that's what they're going to probably, you know, lead with and try to try to correct with him. And it's just how well does he respond to it? I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to say, you know, it really is. But it, you also have to consider that Chubb is, you know, he's a fifth pick overall in the draft. And, you know, he's a good pass rusher, but I think he's probably a better run defender. And, you know, this this really shows it right here. I mean, he his mental processing here to, to kind of gauge what O'Neal's doing is excellent. Um, but yeah, so it's, I do think it's correctable, but um, it, it definitely doesn't always happen. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to give a definitive answer, I guess on that. So we've got three clips that we're going to go over where things didn't go great for O'Neal. And then we've got more clips where it's going to demonstrate his strengths. So if you think Brandon is ripping apart the guy, 
stay with us here because there's a lot of good to watch in the clips that you pulled as well. So our next one is in pass protection. And this one, to me, Brandon, demonstrates one of the issues that the Vikings brought up, that uh, Rick Spielman brought up, is that O'Neal is going to have to improve his play strength. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the number one thing that he has to improve is play strength. And then also, I mean, you know, technique um, to transition into an anchor. So when he's taking a pass set out here, he's, he's explosive out of his stance initially, which is, you know, that, that kind of jumps off the screen in every clip I've seen of him usually is he's very explosive, um, gets to a good spot here. But again, he's sort of leaning into contact here and his hands are again wide, you know, so it's a little bit of a trend here that we're seeing in these two negative plays. His hands are very wide, um, you know, at the strike point and that allows his chest to be basically wide open for street. And he's also very high, and he just doesn't even attempt to transition to an anchor here. He's just trying to catch him. And you cannot do that against a guy who's converting speed to power. I mean, he, Contavious Street's, you know, 280 plus pounds. He's look, you know, pretty, I think he's 6'2, 6'3. So somebody like that, I mean, he could generate serious power. So I think right here, play strength's certainly an issue, but there's a lot going on technically here that he, that um help that could help circumvent that lack of play strength i think you know so you know he he lets him get into his chest and as soon as he makes contact he's so high you know his pad level is just way too high and he can never get his feet back on the ground and he just gets driven just you know he gets taken for a ride basically there yeah, just to, to further describe the play, it's just an, a pass out of the shotgun, and he gets a bull rush right into the middle of him and probably hops back a good five, six yards almost into the quarterback uh, who was able to get the ball out pretty quickly. So quite clear that he's going to have a lot of work to do. And, and this, Brandon, demonstrates to me why you might not play him right away because if you're talking about some of the more powerful edge rushers going up against him, it seems like they would just bull rush all day until he can figure out that he can stop them. Yeah, you'll you'll notice in this clip, and we'll play some later, you know, right here he's taking a 45-degree angle pass set, you know, out of his stance. And later in the game, after Street actually, that we're not going to cover it, but Street does this to him twice, and the exact same result happens. I only included one just because I didn't want to be too redundant here. But um, what he starts doing later in the game is jump-setting guys. So instead of taking that 45-degree um, pass set out of his stance, he's taking more of just a lateral um, pass set and getting his hands on a guy really quickly so that guy cannot generate power. So he, he did do that successfully later in this game. And, you know, he uses his quickness at that point and his length to just get guys to get on guys and get his hands on them very quickly out of, you know, at the snap and out of his stance, as opposed to this, to where he's almost just kind of inviting guys into his chest, you know, so that, so there's things you can do, you know, like, you know, maybe have him jump set a lot more, you know, that that's something that he could do and maybe have a little bit more success with initially, but. I agree with what you said. I don't think you want him on the field in year one, you know, um, with, with this, you know, with these sort of technical deficiencies at all. Now, this so. next clip, clip number three that we have here, uh, and by the way, I will post all of these 1500ESPN.com. So if you're listening and saying, I've, I've got to see these, then you're going to want to go see the article version of all of this and check out uh, what these plays look like to a T. Now, 
This next one, you're going to have to do a little more explaining because what I see is O'Neal stops the pass rusher and then he kind of gets yanked a little bit by the guy, but not much else happens. So what did you pick up on from this third play that we have here? So right here, again, technique is is a huge thing, using his hands. Um, You know, 45-degree pass set again, comes out of his stance, gets, gets into a pretty good position prior to contact, but he, again, right Right prior to contact, he's leaning again. So he's and and his hands are very wide, and he's trying to catch the defender. Mm. Um, you know, so that right there, regardless of the outcome of the play, that isn't a good process. You know, leaning and catching, we've seen it. You know, repeatedly already. You you, you just can't do this. Um, so it's really a technique thing. Um, you know, he winds up getting in his way. You know, and preventing that inside rush. But, but again, the rusher didn't really have anywhere to go either. Um, so he just kind of like paused. But, you know, you'll notice his base gets compromised as well. As soon as he leans and catches, his base becomes narrow and, you know, he just kind of gets ragdolled there a little bit mm-hmm. and thrown off his feet. If that number 90 behind him didn't catch him, he probably would have just got tossed on the ground, you know, but thankfully that defender behind him kind of helped him regain his balance. But yeah, so really balance there, weight distribution, um, hand usage, and lunging, you know, at the point of attack is just all stuff that needs to be corrected. Yeah, and I noticed that at one point, now that I'm slowing it down more, that I see if mm-hmm. I, I can freeze it where both of his hands are all the way around the guy, as opposed exactly. to as opposed to in front of him and using them to, to back the guy off, they end up down and are almost around the guy's waist like he's giving him a hug. And that's uh, exactly. not exactly going to work many times. And in this case, they got the ball out really quickly, so nothing particularly bad happened. So uh, to wrap up our negatives, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of technical work to be done here in pass protection uh, and it seems like the strength, the lack of strength, really comes across. So you said that you wouldn't want to see him on the field necessarily in year one, which I know is not what Vikings fans want to hear, uh, but what would be a time frame for him, do you think, to develop some of these skills from what you've seen from other offensive linemen down uh, along the way in your tape analysis? Yeah, I mean, year two or something would be, would probably be ideal just to give him a full year in the system, a full year in the program, you know, just to, you know, get in the weight room, you know, um, just get a little bit stronger. Not that he's going to, you know, all of a sudden just develop, you know, awesome strength or anything, but just to, you know, just to refine himself, you know, with the technical aspects of the game and practice. And, um, you know, I, I think that there is, you know, room to get better, even if he isn't playing, you know, learning from guys like Riley Reef, Mike Remmers, um, you know, just the mental aspects of the game, things like that, just just to refine him as much as you can before you get him on the field because you don't want to ruin his confidence, you know, by throwing him on the field too early just because he was a second-round pick. Um, you know, so it's, it's kind of tricky because they put him in a position where I, I definitely think it's, you know, he was overdrafted, you know, for sure. But in this tackle class with a lot of guys like him who are projects, you know, developmental-type guys, um, you know, like Gerard Christian and, uh, Brandon Parker, all these guys who went, you know, round two, three, four, five. I think, you know, it's tough to draft a guy like this in the second round because there's these expectations placed on him now right. where I think he really was, you know, like a late round three, early round four type of guy. That's probably more fair to, to where he is as a player. Um, so 
I, I, that's why I still am going to stick to my evaluation of him where I, I would have had him more in like round four, you know, something like, you know, that's where you take a guy like this, I think. But I do know, you know, in this draft class where it was extremely weak at tackle, um, you want, you know, guys are going to get overdrafted. You know, I just think that was going to happen and it, it certainly did. You know, almost every tackle got overdrafted, I think. Um, so it's, you know, it's tough. Uh, I, I just think that first year, though, it's it's going to be very difficult to put him on the field unless, you know, you really c- cater to him, you know, to a level like, you know, we haven't seen since maybe Jack Conklin as a rookie in Tennessee to where literally he was never on an island mm-hmm. versus a pass rusher. So if you're willing to do that with him, I, you know, I think that that could – you can have some success, you know, or you can even get him some playing time as a sixth offensive lineman, put him as a, you know, a, a sixth offensive lineman outside one of the tackles and have him pull and, you know, get out in space and lead you in the run game. And, you know, you could, you could get creative with them, I think for sure. But to say, yeah, you're going to start day one. I just, you know, that, that's asking a lot from him, um, you know, unless they want to cater to him, like I said, you know, to uh, at a very high level. Um but yeah, um, we can move on to this next play if you want this. Uh, yeah, let me just throw in a, a couple of comments about what you said, all of that. If the Vikings sure. had left round two and day two uh, without an offensive lineman, uh, I think the, there would have been people burning stakes and so forth outside of uh, TCO Performance Center. But... It's also important to to point out with O'Neal that the expectations are going to be set a little bit too high. And when you talk about, you know, looking into guys that have lost the confidence and that's really hurt them in the past, well, you don't have to look too far because I think that's in part what happened with TJ Clemmings that he had to learn on the fly in games against some of the league's best pass rushers and you had specifically the game where I knew it wasn't going to work out was against the Houston Texans where Whitney Merciless just slapped both of his hands down and sacked Sam Bradford. And it was such a demoralizing play. Like, I don't know if this guy's going to be able to come back from that. And he never really had a chance to truly develop. And we'll, and we will never know if he could have become a quality player. And it was a similar thing being a great athlete. But instead, he had to start right away and then play the following year at, at left tackle, it was just way too much to ask. So let, let's move on here right. because this next clip is really impressive. It's exactly why they drafted him. What you have is a run play to the outside where he gets out and he completely eliminates not just, not just finds, but also uh, demolishes a nickel corner, I think, unless it's a safety, but it looks to me like it's a nickel corner. Um, explain to me what you see on this play. Yeah, so, you know, he's pulling from the left tackle spot. This is something that you see from, like, really high-level NFL offensive linemen, you know, the left tackles. You don't pull your left tackle like this unless he's outstanding in space. I mean, I'm not making this comparison at all, but somebody who does this a lot is, like, Trent Williams in Washington for the Redskins. I mean, he does this as well as anybody. And O'Neal, I mean, right here, this is these next three clips are all from the same drive, um, and they're all just incredible plays, but... Right here, he's pulling and he's looking for somebody to kick out and to expand that hole for the running back. And um, this number four, like you mentioned, looks like a nickel corner. He's kind of acting as a, you know, like a secondary force player here to condense. He wants to condense that hole. O'Neal 
you know, he's O'Neal is very fluid and smooth out of his stance in the run game. You know, when he gets out in space, he's he's just very natural at it. Um, closes ground extremely quickly here. And you'll notice his head, he's scanning for threats right here. He's, he scans inside, and then he works inside out. So that's great right there. That's what you want to do um, in this position as an offensive lineman. Scan any inside threats because those are going to be the, you know, obviously the most dangerous because they're closest to the ball. He doesn't see anything there, and he just automatically transitions outside and sees number four, closes ground on him, lowers his pads, um, and, you know, outstanding um, – leverage at the point of attack right here and he just kind of runs him you know five yards off the ball you'd like him to ideally finish this play a little bit more and kind of take that guy into the ground Mm -hmm. um but either way this is a great play right here you know just the ability to close ground in space you know and then i think that mental aspect prior to you know you, you could see his helmet and his eyes kind of scan multiple threats work inside out identify the right man to block so there's a lot of good happening on this play, I think. It almost looks to me, too, like the nickel corner is prepared to have him kind of lunge and miss. But in this case, he doesn't lunge. I mean, he, he makes himself very difficult for that cornerback to get around in any way. Where You see that a lot with the guys that aren't that good in space, where they just seem to be throwing their body at people, or they can't pick up which guy they're supposed to go find. And he did both of those things really, really well. It almost looks like the game is slower to him when he's out there in space, that things are developing slower than they are in in the minds of some other players. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I mean, this this is a very impressive clip right here like like you said the body control the, the speed in space to track linebackers and to fit properly and square them up at the point of attack i you know people always you know tell comment on you know stuff when i say you know guys make great blocks in space they're like yeah he's way smaller you know what do you expect i'm like well you know you have to look at that both ways he's way smaller he's way faster he's way quicker so it's much harder to align your body in space on guys like this but on film, especially this game, O'Neal had some of the best blocks that I've seen from a college prospect ever in space. I mean, he just like incredible stuff to where I'm sure Minnesota saw this stuff and saw this tape and, and you know, were enamored with the same things for sure because it's just it's special. So you'll be really impressed with me because on this next clip, I will tell you the thing that I noticed the most, and you'll like this, is that he... Gets outside, it's very similar where he pulls outside and he finds his man in space. But this time, he takes the cornerback and he shoves him at the end. The play is already pretty much over, the guy's out of bounds, but he gives him a little extra at the end just to finish the play and let the guy know that he's going to be coming again. Yeah, this this next clip right here is awesome. Um, Sorry, I might have to edit this. I have a little technical difficulty. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. So it's a, it's a very similar play. It's a run play where he gets to the outside and okay, he finds a, a, a cornerback. This time, instead of the nickel, he gets all the way to the outside to hit the outside corner. And then even though his running back has been wrapped up and pushed out of bounds, he still drives that guy all the way back. The play starts around the 15-yard line, and he's pushed the guy all the way back to the goal line by the end of the play. Yeah, so this is um very similar play to the one we just saw. It's it's a kick out block again. You know, he's pulling out of his stance to the 
to the same side, to the left to the boundary side of the field. And this uh, corner is going to act as the force player. So his job is to really keep things inside of him. And again, O'Neal, from the snap to the finish is impressive. He's, he's the first one out of his stance, um, which you always like to see. He's, you know, if you go frame by frame, he's the first guy out of his stance and he automatically gets his helmet up and he's looking for threats. Really nice job of identifying who to block here. And then again, gets low at the point of attack, lowers, drops his shoulders and just a perfect fit, you know, in space on this corner, squares him up just right and then drives his feet and takes him about, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field. And you like to see that physicality at the end there for sure. You know, you like to see him, you know, take pride in what he's doing. Um, and, yeah, that's that's just a great job of aligning himself on a target in space, you know, something that I don't think you can really teach guys how to do that very well. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's about angles and, you know, precise tracks in space, and really that sort of athleticism also is – it's nice to see that combine athleticism translate to the field because you could certainly see it here and um, just you know, good finish, great play for sure. Well, the next clip is very, very similar, so I'm just going to skip ahead to him in pass protection, some of the stuff that you did like. So earlier in the podcast, we picked apart some of his mistakes, but on a couple of these reps that you saw, uh, he did very well against Bradley Chubb. So if you can skip ahead there, and on this one, it's a just a pass protection, and Chubb tries to take him outside, keeps his hands on him, drives him all the way back, and he's nowhere close. Chubb, nowhere close to the quarterback by the end of the play. Yeah, so earlier I mentioned, you know, a way to counter what was happening to him prior was to jump set guys and to take more of a lateral pass set out of his stance as opposed to that 45-degree angle, and this is it. So he, he get, he's very lateral out of his stance here. He explodes out of his stance laterally. It's really just a jump set. The whole idea is to get your hands on the guy, on the rusher, before he gets his hands on you. And that's what he does here. You know, good good hand placement here as well. You know, gets that shoulder pad. Um, gets good, you know, good grip strength right here. You know, good, good job of sustaining. Bradley Chubb attempts to kind of long arm him and try to disengage with his hands. But O'Neal's very good about mirroring guys up the arc. And he does that here. And then at the very end, you know, I like how he's using his length here to, to keep his chest clean and to uh, maintain contact, you know, all the way up the arc. And as soon as Chubb realizes he's, he's even with the quarterback, he tries to break inside. And then, you know, O'Neal has some guard help there to help him out. Um, but I think just the explosiveness, the initial explosiveness out of his stance, um, the jump set is very good right here. Good hand placement, good hand timing, and then a nice job just mirroring, mirroring Bradley Chubb up the arc and, uh, you know, kind of negating his whole entire pass rush here, which is just a, it's a, it's a really good rep. So what would be the downside if he was doing the jump set every time? Would it just become predictable or is that something that also you saw some weaknesses at times with him or would that be a way to cover up some of the things that he doesn't do well yet? Well, I think with the jump set, I mean, it's an aggressive demeanor, you know, as opposed to a 45 or vertical set, you're kind of inviting, you know, you're creating space at the snap. This is counterintuitive to all that. It's very physical and you know, aggressive, not, it requires very good hand placement. So if he misses with his hands right here initially, 
his inside shoulder is very susceptible to, you know, it's soft, meaning it, it, this, you know, if you fail at a jump set with your initial contact, I think you op- you invite the rusher into the inside. You give him a two-way go, and you never want to do that to a rusher. You don't want to give him multiple options. So um, I think that's the downside because you see guys in the NFL try to jump set, and if they miss with their hands, I mean, it becomes a rep that you see on TV and everybody's talking about, <laughs> you know. And so it's 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 risky. It's a it's a high risk, you know, high you know good high reward type of maneuver, I guess. You know, and not not everyone can do it, but it's a good change up, you know, to mix in. You know, if you're going to be vertical setting and 45 degree setting, it's always nice to get a jump set in because it'll catch rushers off guard. And if you can land those those hands initially, you know, most of the time this is what happens. You just kind of render them useless on a play, and kind of what he did here. Um, so yeah, that I think, you know, it's, you just really have to be good with your hands, you know, if you're going to be jump setting guys. And he shows that capability, but, you know, it's definitely not consistent. It's far from consistent right now. Now, the next two plays that you have, Bradley Chubb tries to beat him around the edge. And it seems that he does a very nice job of driving Chud too wide uh, to reach the quarterback. Is that what you see? Yeah, running him up the arc again and mirroring him. So you really see the athleticism on this next play, I think. Another jump set, you know, he's being um, aggressive here, you know, coming out of his stance aggressively and, and kind of taking the fight to him. Um, Bradley Chubbs tries to initially go inside, but if you notice at the snap, the center left guard, they're both stepping towards Brian O'Neill. So it's a slide protection to his side, meaning he has that left guard's help to his inside shoulder. And this is what I mean by, you know, having slide protections um, to help Brian O'Neill in pass protection. Cause you, you'll see they both, well, the left guard kind of pauses and helps out that center. But whenever you see the center step to the left like that, it's a slide to the left and the left guard is just kind of playing it slow. Chubb tries to go, you know, he looks inside and he's like, no, I'm not doing that. Cause he sees, you know, that's, that's a no win proposition there. Cause the left guard is basically going to pick him up. And O'Neal does a nice job of, you know, just O'Neal knows that. So he doesn't even really try to protect his inside shoulder here, O'Neal, you know. And so Chubb tries to counter back back outside and O'Neal redirects pretty nicely, adjusts his feet. And like you said, just mirrors him. And really the athleticism here is probably the most impressive thing, you know, and foot quickness as well to just kind of redirect. And then stay, you know, leveraged on him with his hand, with that, with that right hand. That's a nice job. And he just runs him up the arc. But, um, just that's a really impressive job of mirroring Chubb, I think, you know, on the outside there. It's really clear about what an, an outstanding athlete he is. And that's what matches up yeah. with his combine results that him and Colton Miller are the guys that stood way out in terms of the athletic profiles. And if you compare, uh, O'Neal's athletic profile. This is not as a player on the field, but just athletically, it's very close to Trent Williams and Lane Johnson. And when you hear that, that gives you a, an idea of where maybe the ceiling could potentially be just based on that athleticism. If you draft a guy that's much farther down the list, you probably limit your ceiling unless the guy becomes an outlier, which is one of the reasons uh, that the Vikings drafted him as high as they did. Uh, on, on his... Just play overall before we get to, I want to skip forward to the last clip, which is a fun one. 
Um, on his play overall, do you get the sense that he is an instinctual football player? Uh, you know, maybe because of his tight end experience that to be able to switch positions and then get drafted in the second round is impressive, or is that something that lacks there? How do you see it? Sorry, could you rephrase that again? Well, I just, I just mean like, is he, a, is he an instinctual football player? Yeah, like, yeah, mental processing type stuff. I mean, yeah, this, this clip, or, uh, excuse me, this game right here, I didn't include it, but he handled stunts well in this game. And that's one of the biggest things I look at for offensive linemen to determine, you know, if they're sharp mentally on the field and if they show, you know, good football intelligence. Um, NC State ran a couple, um, and tackle stunts and tackle in stunts and Brian O'Neill recognized them very quickly and, you know, reacted and responded correctly and, you know, was assignment sound. So I think this tape also showed some of that, but then, you know, we, we did see some of that as well. And I think he is pretty, you know, if you want to say instinctual in space, you know, to be able to recognize, you know, his play recognition and key and diagnose are pretty good in space. You know, not only does he have that athleticism to close the ground quickly, but he identifies the proper guy to block, you know, I'd say the vast majority of the time, you know, in the tape that I've seen. So I do think, you know, that he is somebody who is pretty sharp mentally. Um, and, you know, those, you know, Colton Miller, I mean, I don't know. I think O'Neill is by far the better athlete, you know, at least mm. on the field. You know, I don't know about. I mean, Colton Miller, you know, whatever he tested, if you watch his film, I mean, I don't see it. I mean, I'd love to see that on film. I just didn't really see it a whole lot. But with Brian O'Neill, I see it, and it jumps out to you. You know, it's, like, very, very easy to determine. Before he ever went to the combine, I watched this tape, and, I, you know, you could see that this guy's athleticism and play speed are special. So I think it's quite different. You know, he's quite a different athlete than Colton Miller, in my opinion. And the Vikings talked about that, too. They said the combine stuff confirmed what they had already thought, which is how it should be. And from watching these clips yeah. that you sent me, very, very clear that he's a great athlete. And the last one, maybe just as the cherry on top, Brandon, a rollout to the right for the quarterback, turns back to his left and throws it to his left tackle, who uh, runs it in. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. Brian O'Neill with the, still some of those, uh, abilities to catch the ball as a former tight end and he scores a beautiful fat man touchdown here. Break this one down. Yeah. I mean, you know, you guys have in Minnesota have potential for, you know, fat man touchdowns. It's always <laughs> great. Yes. You know, people, people love that. Um, they run a, a left tackle screen here, basically. <laughs> Um, instead of a screen to a receiver or tight end, they actually set up a screen for Brian O'Neill. And yeah, the offensive linemen uh, block it pretty nicely. And, you know, you could just see, you see the athleticism, you know, again, just the acceleration and, you know, you find the end zones. Well, I love to see the uh, reaction of the offensive linemen here. Yeah. They were super pumped for Brian O'Neill to have uh, scored this touchdown and uh, a victory for all offensive linemen everywhere. So just to 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 put a wrap on the whole thing, um, Brandon, it looks to me like the Vikings got themselves a boomer bust type of prospect, someone that if the technique doesn't get solidified in a lot of different areas that he will be taken advantage of in a lot of the same ways that TJ Clemmings was. But if he is coached well 
and he is receptive to coaching and doesn't lose his confidence early, especially in some pass reps against uh, Everson Griffin in training camp. Now, that could be fun to watch. Um, but if, th- if that doesn't happen and he grows as a player, the Vikings have uh, the potential to have a franchise player here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think of him in sort of the same mold as like a Joe Staley. I think he's, you know, very similar background, both former tight ends, you know, had to gain like 40, 50 pounds in college and kind of grow into the position. Um, you know, I think Staley was a lot more ready early, you know, coming out. Um, but I think, you know, his ceiling, that's, that's kind of what I think of, you know, when I think of his ceiling. Um, but yeah, I think you said it well. He's, he, he is a, a, a pretty low floor, high ceiling guy. And, you know, that's, that's kind of scary to draft in the second round. I mean, I give Vikings credit in a sense, you know, for being that bold, but, um, I, I certainly think he carries more risk than, than most second round picks, but also he has a higher ceiling than most second round picks as well. So, you know, but I, I still, you know, I tend to favor him, you know, panning out because, I think the stuff that he does in space is just, it's, it's too special to ignore, in my opinion. I mean, you just don't, there's, there's only just maybe two or three guys in the whole NFL that I could think that do stuff like that, um, you know, on a consistent basis in space from the left tackles position. So yeah, man, I mean, I think you can have something really special there. And I, I do like that, you know, hopefully they, you know, stay healthy up front, um, especially at tackle with Remmers and uh, Reef, assuming those guys are, you know, hit. And, you know, just give him a year where he can maybe, you know, play that sixth offensive lineman role here and there and, um, you know, block in space a little bit and just we'll see what, what he is in year two. You know, I think that's really where we can really start talking about him playing more. Brandon, as always, your detail is incredible. And your, excuse me, contributions to this podcast have been fantastic in the lead up to the draft. And then with this, I'd love some feedback from people on whether they liked the live tape breakdown. We tried our best to describe the type of plays. And if you liked it, let me know because then we could try to do some more things like this offensive line, wide receivers, some of the other players that uh, the Vikings drafted their are analysts out there that uh, I've gotten to know since covering football that are very, very good at the tape breakdown. So if you liked it, let me know. But if you, if you didn't like it, well, that's your, that's your fault for not loving football <laughs> tape enough. Okay. So Brandon, thank you as always very much appreciated. And thank you all for listening to a special tape analysis purple podcast. We'll catch y'all again soon. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.